Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Lit Pickers with my friend Dipanjana Pal, who's sitting with her friend Supriya Nair. We're very excited to be recording this episode because for the first time in a while, we've stepped out from the confines of our homes and come out to a partially unlocked city where our brilliant recording studio with our amazing producers and our fantastic sound engineers have been waiting for us patiently. So in honor of stepping out into the world, partially, one of the things that Dipanjana and I started thinking about was our neighborhood. And to be precise, what kind of literature is written about our neighborhood? Now, as discerning listeners may know, Dipanjana and I both live in an area that is perhaps best described as the Greater Santa Cruz area, a part of the western suburbs of Bombay that, at least when I was growing up here, um, was considered hopelessly, uncoolly middle class and the sort of place where nothing ever happened. That, of course, has changed now as Kangana Ranaut, the most newsworthy woman uh, in India in 2020 for some ghastly reason. Also possibly the only person who will have any work given the way censorship is going in this country. But that's a separate problem entirely. But yes, I mean, our neighborhoods have changed dramatically in terms of the social profiles they have. I don't think anyone who lives in our neighborhoods anymore feels like they are the second cousins to the posh parts of town. Uh, This is what Kangna was getting at. In fact, she said what I thought was quite astute. She said that uh, the Hindi film industry was populated by people who thought that the world existed between Bandra and Juhu. Having spent the last 18 months walking in between Bandra and Juhu whenever the state has allowed me to get out, I have to say, I kind of get where the feeling's coming from. It's true, but it's quite interesting if you think about the contrast, though, between films and literature, Mm. because the literature is very significantly centred in South Bombay. Mm-hmm. It's not like the suburbs never show up in literature. They do occasionally. But by and large, the sort of literary exotic appeal has been centered in South Bombay. That, I think, reflects how the power structures were set up in Bombay historically. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, for instance... If you are a resident of the suburbs, and by the suburbs, although I'm putting it under one sort of, you know, homogenous term, if you are a resident of the suburbs, you know that every neighborhood has its own character and identity because of the kind of people who live in it and the kind of life that you lead in that sort of surrounding, Mm -hmm. right? And South Bombay, in contrast to that, Mm -hmm. has always sort of been that one monolithic posh thing in creative spaces, even though that's not actually true. I mean, we tend to forget that the gangsters' hideouts were right next to rather posh places in South Bombay as Mm. well. And while it does seem monolithic in English writing, that hasn't actually been the case in writing in other languages. So, So, But it says something, I guess, you know, if rich people lived in South Bombay and wrote in English, working class people lived in central Bombay and wrote you know, enduring sort of poetry and political literature and great stories about life in what used to be the engine of Bombay before the 1980s, which Mm. was the Mill District. And I suppose once you crossed over into Bandra, you just had people who came home from a hard day's work and went to sleep and put their salary in fixed deposit accounts and dreamed of buying pension homes, not in Bombay, but back in their 
native places in Mangalore or Goa or Gujarat. So here's one of the things that I found fascinating when I first came to Bombay and I had the opportunity to speak with the artist Meli Gobai, mm-hmm. who was a wonderful storyteller. Mm. And um, lived on Altmount Road, right? Uh, near Cuff Parade. Ah, I see. But they had a holiday home in Andheri mm. when they were growing up because he he grew up in pre-independence India. Mm. And at that point of time, Andheri was like, he remembered Andheri, which he hadn't been to in a while uh, when I spoke to him. But uh, he was like, you know, I remember it as this idyllic green place. And I was like, don't go back. Please don't go back. <laughs> Things may have changed a little bit. Um, uh, but yeah. But the funny thing is, as I uh, tried to prepare for this episode, I realized that I was instantly able to think of books, novels even, that are set on the fringes of the area that I'm talking about, or rather on the fringes of the country that Kangana Ranaut was talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, we've had recent great works set in Mahim and Matunga. Of course, if you know, it, Bharavi is walkable from Bandra. Technically, it absolutely Technically, is. And uh, Dharavi is where one of Bombay's greatest poets, Namdev Dhasal, you know, kind of struck the load of his art. Hmm. And if you move to Andheri, you actually do have a lot of literary artistry. There's, mm-hmm. you know, like Kalpish Ratna live somewhere around there. Paramita Vora lives somewhere around there. She's, you know, and she actually, she's she's like the great writer of Mahakali Caves. Um, and I think very much like a bard of our times. <laughs> I agree. Even Meenal Baghel, who to me is a shining beacon of journalism, wrote an unforgettable work of nonfiction mm. called Death in Mumbai, which is a very much an Andheri book. But yet, in spite of the fact that some of our greatest writers now live in this, you know, Bandra Juhu Basin, whether it's Selim Javed of film or journalists whose privacy I will protect or Dipanjana Pal. <laughs> whose privacy uh, you don't need to protect because, nobody... you know, she's constantly taking shots of Carter Road, thus <laughs> identifying her location. But anyway, <laughs> there's actually very little written about these neighborhoods in which we live and in which someone like me grew up. I mean, in spite of great writers inhabiting this neighborhood, they haven't really immortalized it in literature. Possibly because the whole process of immortalizing draws upon what is already there. And we've seen sort of interest shift towards the suburbs in a strange way because the writers were not looking for stories, but they were looking for subjects. If you think about the way the interest in the suburbs has developed, it's been very much from a let me let me do an ethnographic study or a sociological study rather than looking for literary stories. Hmm. So if you think about it, right after Catherine Boo's landmark Behind the Beautiful Forevers, which was a nonfiction book uh, that explored the life of a slum near the airport area. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore an Andheri book. Yes, an Andheri book. Uh, well, Santa Cruz and Hiri, <laughs> the greater, greater suburbs. But there was suddenly an interest in that area. Soon after, I think, you had Last Man in Tower, Arvindadiga's mm. book about... Vakola. Yeah, it was set in Vakola and there was one society that's the focus of the novel. It's going to be redeveloped and there's one resident within that society that resists the redevelopment. Mm. And it's kind of telling because this redevelopment and real estate story comes up again and again and again. I mean, almost always when you're looking at suburb stories, this is the undercurrent that sort of, you know, runs through so many of these stories, unless nine times out of 10, unless the writer has lived there. 
like a Vikram Chandra. Hmm. I suppose Arvind Adiga also lived in Santa Cruz East at some point. I'm not sure how or why you would write about it if you didn't. But yes, Vikram Chandra did grow up in Bandra. I feel like I know the lane in which he grew up, but obviously I can't say. <laughs> um, partly to protect his privacy and partly because in spite of having grown up in this area, I can never remember which road is which. The reason you know that Vikram Chandra is a local boy is that uh, he sets a story in card. He does not make the mistake of calling it Bandra, <laughs> which is, I know... Which many... is what every real estate broker does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that these are two distinct neighborhoods, and they are very distinct neighborhoods. You mm. have to live in them to know this. Mm -hmm. But he does that. Like, there's a story in his uh, book of short stories, Love and Longing in Bombay, mm. which specifies that this bungalow, haunted bungalow, thank you very much, is set in Khar. Right. Because... What else would you do in car other than haunt a bungalow? I mean, frankly, mood. I grew up in a, you know, I grew up in a building that was like built in the 1920s. So trust me, I know the feeling. When we were talking about Vikram Chandra, I went to look up sacred games hmm. because I felt sure that part of the novel took place in Bandra. But in fact, I was wrong. But I did come across a, a lovely little paragraph in which Sertaj Singh, hmm. the sexy hero of Don't Sacred Games. Think of Saif Ali Khan. Don't yeah, that's think ki that's kind of why I never went past episode one of the of the show. I felt like the Sartaj in my head was far too was far sexy. too attractive, yes, for me to I mean I'm not you know, nothing against Saif Ali Khan, fellow Bandraite. <laughs> that's who, true. Who, who who has been known to be sexy. He's ha um, he's been sexy in other things. He has, he has. Uh, but they kind of leached the sexiness out of the character in the Netflix show, at least as far as I could see. So I was like, no thanks. But um this is what made Love and Longing in Bombay great. Like, Vikram mm. Chandra is a great atmospheric writer. So he says, you know, he lay with his head away from the window so he could watch the sky lit still by the city. To the left was a long grey sliver, the building next door, turned by the window frame into a crenellated abstraction. And to the right, what was called darkness, what disintegrated softly under the eye into an amorphous and relentless yellow illumination. Sartaj knew where it came from, what made it. But as always, he was awed by it. He remembered playing cricket on a dada street, the fast pock of the tennis ball and the faces of friends, and the feeling that he could hold the whole city in his heart, from Kolaba to Bandra. That's the whole city. <laughs> That's when you know there's a Bandra boy writing this story, because the whole city, thank you very much, is Kolaba to Bandra. Right. I suppose this is the reason the great Khar novel has never been written. Which is going to be the subject of another episode coming to you soon, the books that we wish someone would write. But mm. I'm not going to digress into that one. The Bandra novel, I do know, is one that I think a lot of people have been wanting to write. And... It says a lot about the fact that it has not actually been written because Bandra has just become this bubble that doesn't seem to reflect any kind of reality anymore. Like it's trying to be so many different things, depending on which neighborhood and Great which... Great for uh, an irregular salad though. Unfortunately, a novel and an irregular salad apparently don't <laughs> seem to work that well together. Because mm. you need carbs to write a novel. Oh my and God, And no one yes. in Bandra eats carbs anymore, except you and I. That's true. And I'm writing a novel. <laughs> that's true. You know, here's the thing. So I have written a novel that's set in Bombay. And I realized that I had sort of very unconsciously set most of it in South Bombay. 
Not all of it. Right. Because that's are, where you grew up. Like, and not or, even slightly. Or at least that was your, that no, was your first No, not even slightly. I mean, it was my first introduction in terms of covering the art beat. So all the galleries were in Kolaba. Mm. But yeah, it was also that the police headquarters are near Crawford Market. Mm-hmm. So many of the institutions are in South Bombay. So when you are writing, mm. and if you're writing something like a crime procedural, which is what I was writing, it becomes important to take your action there. I see. So my my police officers were ending up in Shady Bars, which in my head was in Andheri East. But that's like a different part of it. Mm. And in terms of the Bandra experience, like I don't think I'm, I'm quite happy that the Bandra novel about the irregular salad has not been written. There is the Santa Cruz novel. I think for me, it is the Santa Cruz novel, mm. Saraswati Park by yes. Anjali Joseph. Even though she doesn't name uh, Saraswat Colony, that is, of course, what I thought of immediately. Yeah, A lot of people said when it came out in 2010 or 11 that they couldn't believe that it was a debut novel, which is kind of a great thing to hear, I think, as a first-time novelist, that you're like, you just got it. And I think what was truly remarkable about that novel was how well she got that sense that Santa Cruz has, Mm. that particular area of Santa Cruz particularly, but generally Santa Cruz as a neighborhood, has this sense of quiet about it. Mm. It's that quiet, slightly melancholy, tree-shadowed space. And Saraswati Park had that quality. Mm. You know, it, it was also a novel that didn't have plot in the technical sense of this happens, this happens, this happens. Like if you look at just the incidents, that's not much, Mm. but it's very much a mood, you know. Yeah. It's also how people and places reflect aspects of one another. Mm. So it's not like if you are a quiet person, you will live in a quiet neighborhood. That's not the kind of direct relation I mean. But this sense of... I mean, you will if you have the money, but... I mean, hell (laughs) yes. Most of us don't, in fact. That's true. Uh, But this whole idea that you give to the neighborhood and the neighborhood gives to you Mm -hmm. parts and you become organically part of one another. Like the letter writer, book hoarding hero of Saraswati Park Mm. is someone that feels like they belong in that Santa Cruz neighborhood, Mm. right? Yeah. And they come from a time when, you know, you people like that kept circulating libraries and Mm. reading rooms going. And I think even in the 10 years since the book was published that sea change has come to Santa Cruz. And Uh, this whole thing of sea change is something that, you know, we keep seeing all the time mm. in literature that's about suburban Bombay in particular, but, you know, Bombay in general. Right. Okay. Historically, we all know that, you know, Bombay was given as dowry to the King of England when Charles II married Catherine of Braganza. Mm -hmm. The thing is that the East India Company had sort of seen from the seas what they had imagined was Bombay. Mm. What they didn't realize was that it was an archipelago Mm. and that Mahim had the customs house. The island of Bombay itself didn't have that much. Right. So when the Portuguese were like, you want Bombay? Cool, we'll give it to you. They thought they were giving just the island of Bombay, actually. Mm. So then there follows some like 10, 15 odd years of dispute. I think a little bit longer, actually. Mm. Mm, I think the Portuguese finally gave up claim on Mahim sometime in the 1700s. So it Mm. went on for a while. Mm -hmm. And they only gave up, the Portuguese were kind of forced to give up claim on first Mahim and then other parts, other islands, Mm -hmm. because of reclamation. Like it was land that was imagined into being for tactical consideration. So this whole idea 
of real estate and shifting reality through the physical terrain of the city mm. is just integral to what Bombay is. And one of the books, although this is not strictly in our greater suburbs area, but I think it got it really beautifully, is a book by your friend Amrita Mahale called Milk Teeth, mm. which is set in Matunga. It's walkable, so I think we can admit it. Like you can walk from... You can definitely You can walk, walk from Greater Santa Cruz to Matunga. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about redevelopment at one level, but it's also a really a city sort of growing up into something else. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy Milk Teeth? I did. I'm a biased reader because Amrita is my friend, but I thought it was an incredibly accomplished book. Mm. Um, Another one of those books. And I would have said that even if I hated her. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree because, I mean, it really in that sense reminded me of Saraswati Park. It was Mm. very accomplished. It was very in command of the world that it was describing and what it was bringing into that world. I remember I showed it to an acquaintance of mine who grew up in Padel and Matunga both. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh yeah, I kind of recognize bits and bobs of it, which I think is really the greatest praise that you can offer to somebody who's created something with words and that actually evokes the right memories in someone who has a physical memory of it. I mean, since we're wandering off like kind of the narrow path of novels set in the neighborhood, I guess what we do have is uh, is poetry, you know, and if Arun Kolatkar was the great bard mm. of Wayside Inn, then Eunice D'Souza was the great, uh, oh God, was yes. the great poet of... Santa Cruz, although, you know, a lot of her obituaries said that she kind of, she made Bandra English a thing. I don't know what that actually means. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what that we, actually I've, means. I've, I've lost the words to react to that. <laughs> I mean, she has she has written, you know, poems called Bandra Christian Party and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that she was the great poet of these neighborhoods, of these streets, among other things. And I dare say that her funeral a few years ago was perhaps the last great literary event in this geography. We could go on, you know, Dipanjana and move to Juhu, but I would rather not. I mean, I think we should move to Juhu, but before we move north, I would like to move a little further south because there is a writer of Mahim that I feel we should talk about. Mm. Again, like Mahim is a really interesting space because it's literally that sort of it exists in that limbo between town and suburbs. It's the hinge. It's the hinge. Mm. And Jerry Pinto has set two novels there. Mm. His absolutely magnificent M in the Big Home. Which we both love. I mean, we're talking about accomplished first novels. Like, I know that Jerry's first novels didn't seem like the first of anything because he'd written so many other books and he's mm-hmm. been writing, you know, journalistic writing for a while and columns and poetry. But that was his first novel. And that was like, it took him some 20 odd years to put his life into that distilled form. And it is magnificent. And pretty much most of it is centered in that one BHK in Mahim, mm. barring the little forays outside. I don't think anyone has written about a neighborhood the way Jerry has written about Mahim. It Absolutely. Yeah. And it's very interesting because he he's not one of those people who felt fondly towards Mahim all his life. Like he spent the better part of his youth and young adulthood mm. wanting to escape Mahim. Like he's mm. talked about this many times that, you know, when he was growing up, South Bombay seemed like the city. Mahim just felt like not city. Mm. It, he felt like a smaller person. I remember him saying in one conversation that, you know, being from Mahim felt like 
I mean, if you were from the suburbs, like further out suburbs, places like Bandra and Andheri started having certain characters and profiles. But Mahim sort of stayed determinedly small, as he put it, you know. <laughs> and, you know, he gets that smallness, that contained, that self-contained feeling of Mahim so beautifully in M in the Big Home. I wasn't a great fan of murder in Mahim, but it is very much a portrait of both, you know, the neighborhood as well as the kind of, you know, slightly seedy underbelly. Mm. When Jerry says Cadell Road in a book, I feel like I experienced the whole history and geography of that street in a way that uh, I practically don't even when I'm walking on Cadell Road, <laughs> which contemporary geographers know as Swatantrivir Savarkar Mark. One of the things about our neighborhoods is that they are even in the last 10 years, they have changed to become unrecognizable. So perhaps in the future, there will be a great BKC novel. There has been, I just, it just struck me. Bandra has actually been sort of written about in Kari, Amrita Patil's graphic novel. Mm. I mean, it's a beautiful graphic novel. And I think it's one of those uh, landmark books in Indian publishing, because at least that was the first time I'd seen a graphic novel being given that much love by the publisher. You know, there were thick pages. It was beautifully printed. Hmm. But it was also a queer protagonist. It talked about loneliness. It was a grown-up graphic novel. That in itself, I think, was slightly hmm. unusual for that time. But Kari was the story of this uh, young woman who is living with two flatmates in the suburbs of Bombay. And I feel like it was very much Bandra because there's also like, there's references to Soul Fry the neighborhood is mm. that Tony neighborhood, as it were, you know, and these people who are not Tony within it, this sort of nugget of authenticity in the smog city. Solfra is also not Tony. Absolutely not. That's the thing. I mean, these are the little bits of authenticity yeah. in an otherwise. Back when I used to date, I used to take first dates to Solfry all the time because I felt like that was a true test. Of a good litmus their, test of yeah, character. Of their character. Yeah. On that note. Let's call it a morning and step out into the monsoons of Khad. We'll see you soon in the next episode of The Lit Pickers. The Lit Pickers is a Made in India production. Don't forget to rate and review and follow or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, tell everyone you know about the show. Share it on social media, tell your friends and family, scream about it on your rooftop. It really helps get the word out. Oh, and use the hashtag LitPickers. Follow Supran the Panjana on Twitter or Instagram. You can also find all of the books they've mentioned or recommended in an online resource via a link in our episode description. Thanks. And keep listening. We'll probably cut this out, but I'm going to share the story anyway. Please. Um, so when I moved to Bombay first, mm -hmm. my parents were living in South Bombay on Breach Candy. Mm -hmm. uh, when I started living on my own, I came to Bandra. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first place that I rent uh, was going to rent at that point of time, I go to meet my landlady. Uh, she liked me for my English. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. uh, and she said, my dear, um, tell me where did you grow up? And I said, all over the place, you know, whatever. And she said, oh, okay. Uh, are you looking for a job? Because we have a English speaking school in Dada. <laughs> and I was like, right. Dadar? And she yeah. was like, no, my darling, it's Dada. Right. <laughs> I was like, okay. Dada, two neighborhoods away from Mayim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We'll come back.